Well, I just have one question for you. Are you ready to win? Winning with Waterfall Racing Podcast is all about helping you achieve your goals through our community. We have an incredible community of top age groupers, of beginners, of the most incredible pros, and we all come together to support each other. And we want you to be a part of the journey with us. As you know, triathlon is addicting. It's addicting because we become addicted to bettering ourselves, to growing ourselves, to seeing how far we can push the limits of our physical capabilities. And it starts with the mental mindset as well. The strength begins there. So come with us as we learn about health, as we learn about tips, as we learn about gear, as we learn about what our pros are up to. And as most importantly, we support each other through this journey. Welcome to the Waterfall Racing Podcast. Well, hi, everybody. This is Joy McAdams, your Waterfall Racing podcast host. And just like you, I am still taking such a big breath from this week in triathlon. What a week it's been on so many levels. But I want to start off with a high. And the high is that Iron Man Texas was such an amazing, inspirational, not enough words for this race. And I am smiling. You can hear me smiling as I speak about it because I was actually on my my climbing ride. I climbed Chiha Mountain usually on the weekends. And the commentating by Miranda Carfrey and Greg Welch was just fantastic. It had me like on my toes. I had my phone. I had one of those sports bras where you can tuck uh, like the phone into the on your back and I was listening, and they just painted such a perfect picture. I felt like I was literally there watching it. And, um, you know, to see Rudy and then to hear Cat Matthews, and it was just, it was just so awesome and such a high. Uh, you know, we were all celebrating that. And then, boom, Monday hits, right? And, uh, you know, I had fully planned on kind of going down the path of the Ironman Texas coverage, and then, Monday hit and it just felt so weird like no one even you know knew how to to respond or what we should be posting and you know obviously there was tons of social media messaging out there and it was just so hurtful and infuriating and shocking and all the things and um you know it it really hit hard it hit everybody hard but you know no one more than the professional community and so i knew i had to quickly pivot and and try to come up with uh an episode where we could at least address these things discuss these things in a timely manner so that's what we are doing today. Uh, I have Danielle Lewis, our one of our pro triathletes from our community, as well as a mindset performance coach, Brandon um, Thelk, and we will speak with them. But before that, on a lighter note, I did want to check in with Caroline McCartney. I actually interviewed her last week when um, the YouTube about her came out. She's part of our Waterfall Racing Pro Project. She's our, our athlete, one of our athletes in the project. And she has been through a journey, you guys. She has been through a challenge since coming to Boulder to start this journey. And it was, you know, it was just neat and amazing and special to hear how having a team around her has helped her overcome some of these health challenges, um, you know, helping her get back to her full, um, you know, to her full potential as an athlete. And so, you know, she's also working full time for Amazon. She's facing a lot of challenges and hearing her overcome it was so encouraging. And I thought it would be great to add as the lighter part of this episode. But um, we're going to jump in and check in with her. And then remember, you can go check out the there's a great YouTube uh, segment on her as well. So let's check in with her first before we jump in with Danielle and Brandon. 
Well, I am here with a checkup call with our Waterfall Racing Pro project, Caroline McCartney. We've interviewed her on previous episodes. We also talked to her coach as well, her, her first coach ever as well. And so we just wanted to check, check in and see how the transition's going. Um, you know, lots of changes, lots of, um, you know, opportunities for growth, but also I'm sure a lot of new challenges as well. So Caroline, welcome to the Waterfall Racing Podcast. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me on again. Um, it's been a, a while, but time has flown by here in Boulder. Yeah, yeah, it sure has. And we're just so interested. You know, this is the first time we've ever done anything like this. So big learning curve probably on everyone's side as as we're putting in um, two really promising age groupers into, you know, the surrounding with the top professionals in the sport to help lead, guide you, you know, encourage you along. But Caroline, you're still working as well for Amazon. So, um, you know, let us know how does that, how's that going in the house compared? Because I don't think anyone else is really um, carrying on a, you know, a job like that. So tell us a little bit about that challenge. Yeah, I'm still working. So I am a senior program manager. I run an analytics team for Amazon. Um, I don't know what I entirely expected for balancing the schedule. I think it was especially interesting for me because my almost my entire life changed on the same day. I moved to Boulder February 1st and my job title changed February 1st. So I started supporting a new team. So that brings it, its own challenges. I don't think I've perfected the schedule yet, but um, I have recovery days on Mondays and Fridays from training. So I almost exclusively work Mondays and Fridays and that's where I'm fully focused on work and and more flexible for when I do my uh, just 90 minutes of recovery activity. And then the rest of the week I have quality days. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday I, is a, a big mess juggling both, but I'm really grateful that I get to keep doing both. So if this is a, the biggest problem in my life that I have two really good opportunities and I think I'm, I'm doing okay. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it is something that all of us can relate to. Um, even today, uh, you know, the reason I had to push back our call a little bit was because, you know, I, I was gone all last week. And then um, coming back, you know, you pay for that when you're out of work for a week, really. And then trying to get in the workouts and, and catch up with all the work. And, you know, you just want to throw up your hands and be like, this is crazy. I can't, you know, I can't, I feel like I can't focus on either one a hundred percent and it can get frustrating. So yeah, definitely always trying to find that collaboration. That's what I call it. Uh, Cause balance seems to be impossible, but the collaboration between the two is it's part of the fun. <laughs> it's part of the challenge for sure. Um, so tell us as far as your training now, did you, um, bring on a new coach there being in Boulder? Um, if so, how is that going? Yeah, so I am coached by Ian O'Brien. Uh, I think a lot of people know his name. He coaches Absolutely. Taylor Nib and now Summer Rappaport and a bunch of other incredible athletes are on his squad. So I started working with him in the middle of February. So it's been about two months and he's an incredible. I've had a lot of challenges. Um, moving to Boulder, I quickly became pretty unhealthy. I got really sick. I had some poor lab results that it, it was just really difficult for me to navigate myself. And I wouldn't have been able to figure out what to do or be able to get healthy again without Ian's support and guidance. So I'm really thankful to be working with him. And I'm excited for the year to come now that I'm feeling good and on a full training schedule and have my first race coming up. That's so exciting. And it's all about who you surround yourself with, you know, as far as like upping your baseline of, you know, what expectations are, what your potential could be. Uh, it's so exciting to see you in that environment now. So yeah, tell us what, what are we looking for into race season so far? Yeah. So <laughs> I will be racing St. Anthony's and now it's like two weeks, I'd say, but okay people might listen to this I had no race plans as of like one week ago because I it was my main focus was 
getting healthy. Um, I was struggling with injury and fixing deficiencies in my labs and, and stuff like that. So I had quite the team around me with doctor's appointments and physical therapy and, and stuff like that. So I only had like my first pain-free swim a, a week or two ago and have been running consistently now. So I just asked Ian, can I race St. Anthony's and just see what happens? I don't have incredible expectations stacked many <laughs> good training days, but they're, they're coming now. So it's really exciting. And I'll just see where I'm at and then uh, see if I want to put a 70.3 in between St. Anthony's and Boulder, but it's probably unlikely and Boulder 70.3 will be the first half distance race that I do this year. Uh, okay. Well, that's so exciting. And that is, it's such a great point, you know, to have a team like that and to have a, a coach like that and to be listening to your body and, you know, waiting until you truly feel like it's time to step up and, you know, hopefully St. Anthony's is just like a nice, you know, rust buster, get in, kind of see some things where you need to work on, but definitely no pressure on you as well. Just go enjoy and, um, you know, see where you've come, how far you've come so far. So, uh, you know, as far as the weather there, I know you said you were already used to cold weather, but you guys have, it's gotten warmer there. So how, how much has that helped affect um, training or is it supposed to snow again? I don't know. It's always a back and forth up there. It seems. So right now it's actually raining slash snowing, <laughs> but <laughs> this week we had some really, really good weather. So good for running and riding outside. And I was really thankful for it, especially because I'll be going to race in the heat. So it was yeah. nice to have it be pretty hot here the past uh, week or so. But yeah, it's it's been back and forth a lot um, between snow and some good days. And yeah, we just <laughs> deal with what comes our way. So sometimes we're inside and then grateful to be outside when we can be. Yeah, absolutely. So now let's talk about nutrition. Is there an assigned chef in the house or are each of you taking turns? Or are you just kind of each doing your own thing? Um, how is all that working in the house? I think we we each do our own thing. Uh, it's it's funny to to look how each of us eat and and stuff like that. I think Andre and Rachel, um, they cook a lot of meals together, but then Josh and I are separate, and Josh and I definitely eat a very different. Um, <laughs> and well, based on like a lot of the because I've figured out so much about my body the past two months, I now especially eat pretty different than the standard athlete I have really poor blood sugar control so I don't eat any sugar um, and I eat more protein and fat than probably the average endurance athlete so it's funny when we we look at what each other is eating because like it boggles Josh's mind the way I eat and I probably would never be able to eat the way he eats so it, it is interesting. Yeah. Now, how did you um, find out about this sugar situation? Was it just the way you were feeling? Was it something you had experienced before, but you just didn't know why? And, you know, having the support you did, you guys were able to pinpoint it or, you know, how were you able to nail all that down? Yeah. So I have done quite a few labs, like blood work. So I did something called a, a spectrocell, which cultures your white blood cells. So like a just regular lab draw is red blood cells. And, but when you culture cells, they, you can find different deficiencies and you just see on a regular lab report. So I tested having poor glucose insulin interaction, which means I, I don't react to sugar very well. Um, and then I also was given one of those uh, blood glucose monitors and it, for me, it's like, it's pretty bad <laughs> the way it, it looked at all day. And you're supposed to be able to keep your blood sugar pretty high while training. And mine would like tank in the middle of workouts. So I met with a, a nutritionist that specializes in some blood sugar control stuff. And she helped with the way I should eat, the way I should fuel before workouts, after workouts. And it's helped a lot for me so far. So yeah, I think for anyone that doesn't always doesn't feel well, like labs or stuff like that are a good answer to see what's going on inside yeah, your body. Yeah. 
And it's definitely something to stay on top of on a regular basis because your body's always changing. You know, it's always reacting differently as you get deeper into the season. Um, definitely stay on top of everything. And, and it probably was at the same time a relief for you to realize, wow, there is a, you know, there's a real reason I'm feeling like this and there's a solution. So now to be working towards it, that had to be so much, you know, more encouraging for you. Definitely. Yeah. I, it's really hard. I think anyone that's an athlete can relate to um, how difficult it is to feel terrible day after day and have no idea why. So yeah. getting those answers was really nice. And it took some time to start feeling good again. But now that I am like a totally different mood, a, a lot happier and um, excited to race, whereas it's kind of... <laughs> I couldn't even think about racing for a while. So yeah, it's, it's nice to be feeling good again and, and know what my body needs to perform well, especially after moving to altitude, like that it changes so much and you really can't get away with having any deficiencies. So I think they, they all came out after I moved here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so good that you caught all of that and thanks for catching up. Thanks for just giving us an update. We can watch and follow the journey on the YouTube channel. Um, but you know, we're in your corner. We're excited to see you grow throughout this process and good luck this year. Continue to get healthy, happy training. Let's stay injury free and, um, we'll check in with you again. Sounds good. Thank you for catching up. So we're going to jump into our episode now with Danielle Lewis. She's one of our pro triathletes with the Waterfall Racing Team. And Brandon Thalk, who is a mindset performance coach to athletes, to corporate, to high executives. And um, I believe he actually works with Danielle as well. So I appreciate the two of you being willing to jump on here with me, you know, kind of on last minute's notice. But it was a conversation that I thought needed to, you know, to be discussed and needed to be discussed in a timely manner so that we can learn from it and then, you know, move on, um, you know, from it and get back to celebrating Ironman Texas. So on that note, Danielle, big congrats on your race last Saturday. I know it's, you know, I, I need to post like a recap for the race and I was planning on doing it on Monday, but then this hit the tri world on Monday and it just felt like inappropriate, you know, to, it just sounds, it was such a somber day. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm reminding myself not to focus on like the, the negative things, but you know, I'll get something posted today. But Danielle, big congrats as we watched you, you know, run your way to your Kona slot. And I had messaged you telling you, you know, that no matter what we knew, you could run the house down. And you responded with, you know, you stuck to your race goal. You knew the big picture of, uh, you know, what your main goal was for that day. And, you know, just thank you for being an example of having that patience and and having that big picture. And it was just something that I think resonated with me. And, and it's such an example to all of us. Thank you. I'm very excited. No, no, we love celebrating you. And then what better person to have on here than Brandon Thelk. He is a mindset performance coach to both athletes, to top executives. And I just thought it would be great to have him on here to get his insight on, you know, what brings a person to this point and, you know, how we can move forward from this as well. But, you know, not even quite knowing where to start. I think I want to start with you first, Danielle. I want you to just kind of share as a pro triathlete, you know, some of the raw feelings and emotions that are facing you and so much of the pro community. Yeah, and just, you know, very in one sentence to give a little bit of background if people are listening to this and just learning for the first time, um, you know, in the triathlon community, we had a high profile athlete test positive for EPO, which is um, a banned substance according to the water code. And um, that really shook the triathlon community. I mean, honestly, it felt like an earthquake. 
on Monday when we found out about this. Um, the test was in February um, and we just got the news um, on Monday. And there's been a lot of emotions and I, you know, everyone is processing things in their own way. And it, it feels kind of, it's, I want to say there's somewhat of a mixed bag right, where you might feel some empathy for this athlete as like a human being, right? Because we're all humans. We all make choices and they're not always the right choices. And we, you know, we make choices that may hurt people. Um, and, but ideally, you know, we work to um, make those things right in the long run, but then at the same time, you know, in thinking about this, this athlete, like every, we all, everyone just feels very wrong, very hurt, um, really saddened by it and angry um, because we, it's a small community. The triathlon world really is small. Uh, and you think and, and want to believe that everybody is doing this the right way, but it just, it just kind of reminds you, well, it's not, you know, and um you feel like things are taken away from you um, that should have been yours and um, that you've trained hard and you've done it the right way. And uh, yeah, it's just been painful. Um, and also, you know, some of the reasoning that this athlete gave for making this decision really offended a lot of the professional athletes because um, he said it was because, you know, there was a lot of internal external pressures and trying to meet these demands and just, didn't really see, you know, he felt like he was doing everything that he could. And then this was just the, the, you know, the option that he chose to do to help himself get ahead and, and meet those expectations. But it's like, you know, we're all working really, really, really hard. It's not easy. Um, the mental health side of this sport is challenging um, because a lot of us, we train alone. We sacrifice time with family. We sacrifice time with friends. And we do this for years and years and years. And some of us never win, you know, we might get close and like, okay, I'm going to push a little bit harder, but yet it's like, you're close, but never quite there. And so like, you really have to learn how to keep these things in balance and um, keep an understanding of why you're doing what you're doing. Um, because then I think when that gets skewed, then, and, and Brandon will talk about this too, but um, when you lose perspective, I think is when some of those temptations can come into play. Yeah, that's good. So, Brandon, let's let's jump into the mindset per perspective. Let's let's go to, you know, what is the build up to this point? What is it that makes somebody try to start justifying the shortcut in their mind, um, you know, to the point where they're going to sacrifice their integrity to, you know, at whatever cost, um, to get the outcome that they are looking for. And, you know, what are some of the things that we can look out for in ourselves to avoid this? Well, I look at life holistically. Um, you know, you never know what somebody's going through, um, in all aspects of their lives. Um, and it's very difficult to frame that up in, you know, a couple of paragraphs. And so for somebody to get to that point, um, you know, I think to sacrifice integrity or um, to make a decision that could have extreme consequences like this, um, you know, it's, I don't think it's a rash decision. I think it's well thought out. Uh, I think there's a lot of weighing that goes on there. And at the end of the day, it's like, um, if you're at a plateau, if you're stuck, if you're struggling, um, if you don't feel like if you feel like you've exhausted all options and you don't feel like there's any other way for you to get better to improve and you have a lot of desire wrapped up in the results, meaning um, I'm attaching a lot of my worth to my success, um, you know, I might make those types of choices. Right. I might because that's the thing is we get too wrapped up in out outcomes, wanting to be on the podium, um, wanting to be front and center. And, um, you know, there are people out there that will do whatever it takes, unfortunately, right? And so that's a, it's a bargain you do with yourself, right? And so the people that make those decisions, I mean, it, I, I tend to think it does have long-term consequences. It, it makes it difficult to sleep at night, right? <laughs> because these things weigh on our conscience, right? Um, so any sort of punishment the community could give this person, uh, I'm sure it's 10 times worse within themselves, right? 
And so that's the important part of that is like when we when we make these sacrifices, um, it does split our psyche a little bit and it's, it's very difficult to reconcile. And they take these things take a long time to recover from. Um, so so it's there's a lot. Of, I'm sure there's self punishment going on along with the community. Um, but, you know, they're just very difficult situations because you never know what led up to that. But it had to be to the point where it was like this was the only option to get to where I want to go. And, and I attached too much value to that success or where I wanted to go that I was willing to sacrifice morals and values. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so good. Um, so, Danielle, let me throw this back to you. Talking back to your younger self, talking back um, to younger athletes right now coming up, how would you even go back and reframe for yourself? Um, you know, this is going to be your career. This is what you're chasing. But uh, keep in perspective, this is the true measure of success, you know, because I think when we keep that in perspective, sure, we're competitive. Sure, there's only one winner. This is not a everybody gets a trophy world. I don't agree with that either. But how do we put a healthy boundary on, you know, pursuing um, the best, but yet still being content and happy and, and giving yourself credit for the work and, and, and your accomplishments? You know, I'm going to just to comment really briefly on what Brandon said, and then it'll tie into this. It's also like, it's a slippery slope, right? So this athlete in particular didn't just start here. Um, you know, it started with smaller, smaller gray area um, aspects of um, potentially violating the code. And so it, 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 it always starts somewhere, right? There's a seed somewhere that's planted in and that just kind of like grows over time into um, making these choices. But then, you know, thinking, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask. I've always been potentially maybe a little bit naive and maybe lived to see the world in rose colored glasses and always just wanted to do what's best for myself and everyone around me, right? And so like for myself, cheating I was always taught never to lie you know never to cheat always yeah. do the right thing um that was just that's just never something that's really entered my mind and so to think that somebody else would do this is um it doesn't really make sense in my worldview it just you know and I think it um it just I think that's I think that's a lot of it it, it kind of just starts off with what who you are at your core Right. And um, I, I don't I don't know. Maybe there's people that just never taught what's right or they, you know, I, I don't know, Brandon, again, I'll go back to you on some of this. But um, I always wanted to be a professional athlete. Right. And I wanted to do it um, because I believed it was what I was called to do and to do it as best as I possibly could. And so doing it the right way was always just the number. It was just never, I'd never considered anything else. Um, and so then I guess if I was to speak to like my younger self, it was just maybe we're just be like, Hey, you know, you might be a unicorn. <laughs> Not everybody is going to do things the right way, but at the end of the day, you have to stay true to yourself. And if that means you don't win because other people are cheating and you're doing the right thing. You can always have confidence in yourself. You know, you have to look at yourself in the mirror every day. Um, and, and that's it. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> so Brandon, how would you frame, you know, say you're a parent and, you know, you're raising a, a child that's very competitive. And I think, Unfortunately, um, sometimes some of this short-sighted view of success does come at the younger high school, you know, type level because, uh, you know, a lot of times coaches very much are just focused on the season or the four years and there's a lot of bad habits that can be passed down to younger athletes. 
So how do you paint this picture, you know, for the younger athlete? I know you you spent time working with high school athletes as well. Paint the picture of obviously, you know, we're competitive and the goal is to be the best. The goal is to win. You know, I'm not into the everybody gets a trophy. No, there's only going to be one winner. But how do we reframe and paint a healthy view of success and it not, you know, being singly focused on just the outcome? Yeah, I mean, it's it's about building self-worth um, and not self-sacrificing. And um, I, I teach being process oriented, focusing internally, um, not worrying too much about comparing yourself to other people. Um, you know, and it's if we follow the process, if every day I'm looking to improve myself, um, every step of the way, I'm going to have pieces to work on. Um, and that's that's an ongoing process that goes on forever. Right. And so um, if we extract life lessons from sport, which I think is one of the most valuable things, like I, I'm so thankful for my baseball career because it taught me so many lessons, because that's the thing is you, you could give it all you've got and it still might not be good enough. Right. And so you have to like pick up the pieces and you have to figure out how do I move forward from tremendous heartbreak a lot of times. Right. And so it, it, all that pain, like it opens you up, but then it's also these important teaching lessons. And if we are, if we're able to move through those and face these challenges and, and continually get better on the other side, uh, I mean, you become like a pretty rock solid person uh, over time and that can accomplish literally anything sport or otherwise. Right. You know, it starts to spill over in other areas of your life. Um, and so I think at, at the end of the day, like that's the best source of development is just becoming the best person you can be in general and using sport as a medium to do that. Um, and so, yeah, I really do think that the shortcuts are just uh, yeah, it's a lack of self-worth and, and I need the results to show other people. I think that's what creates the problem. Like I need other people to validate me and, and they need to see how great I am. Um, and, you know, it's a very ego outlook. Um, you know, it's we get wrapped up in the approval and validation of others rather than building our own internal self-worth, uh, you know, self-respect, um, carrying ourselves at, at a high uh, standard, essentially. You know, it's, and that's what standard is like, I'm not willing to make these sacrifices because I know that it's going to come at a cost. Right. And so you start to understand like, okay, I don't even consider that because, you know, I know that's going to damage me for years. Right. Because all these things are very difficult to recover from. And I would say, you know, teenage years, early twenties, you know, that's where, you know, we really need mentors. We need guidance um, from rock solid people. Um, <laughs> Because that temptation, it, it grows. It's pretty loud. Um, there's a lot of insecurities. And, um, you know, I think that image is out there that you need to achieve success at a very young age. And, and the success is a long-term game. It always is. You know, you have to build the, the habits, um, the character to withstand things over time. And so that's what sport is. It's like this incredible tool for development if you work through it, right? But if it's just like, if I run into a problem and I'm looking to escape it, or I'm looking to take a shortcut around it, that's going to come, that's going to catch me down the road. You know, it's, it, these things always come back. Um, and that's what's, uh, you know, you have to believe in, you know, some sort of, you know, karma or, you know, <laughs> something of that nature of like you, what you do like has an impact on one way, one way or another. And if, if we're doing these things that, um, that are self-sacrificing or that lower us, you know, they're going to come back and, and we're going to have to face them later on. And so I think that's an important idea with this event is um, it's, it's, it is a public spectacle. It's out there. It's, it's created this huge wave of emotions amongst everybody uh, because the, there are a lot of people out there doing the work that haven't even considered taking a shortcut. <laughs> um, so, you know, and that's the thing I would say with I primarily work with triathletes at this point and um and yet the amount of work you guys have to put into the sport is uh, I, I would say far surpasses anything else um and so it is a daily grind it is like it's just an acceptance that it is a lifestyle and and you know you have to make all these sacrifices you you have to basically build your life around it in order to get good at it and 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 even when you're doing that, it takes years and years and years to do that. And so there, there really is no shortcut to it. 
uh, I would say, especially in triathlon. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm going to throw out, you know, at the majority of our listening audience, the age grouper, you know, what may cross our mind from time to time, especially when this, all this comes to light. And that's, you know, the fact that although, you know, we're not professional triathletes, this isn't our livelihood. In in some ways, it's still just as important to us, right? And we're still making so many incredible sacrifices and working so hard, uh, you know, to show up and give our best performance on race day. And, you know, in the back of my mind, we know there is no regulation, you know, and there are times, I mean, I'll be honest, when I see someone in my age group, I'm in the 45 to 49, win overall and have like a pro time, I have to be honest, you know, that crosses my mind because I'm like, there's no way, right? And it's just, it's, it's that thought that's always there, you know, how would you advise that we move forward and not let it be discouraging? I mean, do we just completely ignore it or do we just dig deeper and think, wow, I'm going to put forth my best effort no matter what, knowing that at some point it will pay off? Uh, You know, how do we handle that? So the, the age group field is obviously it's, it's very different than the professional field. Right. And when I had mentioned, so prior to Ironman Texas, all of the professionals were required to come into um, this hour long presentation from, from WADA, the world anti-doping association. And we had to, and I, I, you know, it's interesting. So our pro membership fees went up from, $900 a year to $1,250 a year. um, And those funds to be used to go towards testing uh, or drug testing um, and screening um, in and out of competition. Um, So it's actually, I I know there was a lot of people that were a little bit (laughs) upset that our fees were going up, but at the same time, I guess it's like, well, I guess it's good that our fees went up, right? Because it's it's actually working. Um, So in that meeting that we had, we did discuss the prevalence of using banned substances amongst the age group field and then amongst the professional field. Um, and that percentage amongst the age group field was a lot higher than the pros. Um, but I, 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 I would say that it's not, you know, 25% of the age groupers are using banned substances just to get ahead, right? that's not the case. I mean, there's, um, you can use substances to get ahead, but then also you can basically take like a cold medication, which has banned ingredients in it, you know? And so technically, you know, you're taking a banned substance or whatever. Um, there's that, that may happen, but then also you think about like men that may, um, have lower testosterone as they get older and, you know, they just, for their health, they want higher and they want to need higher testosterone. So they may take that not necessarily to get ahead, but it's something that they do as a personal choice, but yet they're, they're still, they're there competing on their own personal journey, not, you know, wanting to maybe win everything, but just wanting to be the best version of themselves. And like, so it's like, okay, so then you ask the question, well, is that, is that really wrong? You know, like they're doing something for their own personal health and they, and their testosterone isn't outside of legal limits. You know, it's normal. We're within range, you know, so there's just questions to ask about it. And so um, when you think about like what percentage of age groupers are actually taking substances with the sole purpose of getting ahead, I think that probably is probably more comparable to like what the pro level would be. Um, so a lot smaller, uh, if that, so if that makes sense. And so, um, now it can be discouraging when you put in so much time and so much effort only to get beat by somebody who did it unethically. Um, especially, you know, I have a ton of respect for age group athletes that are working 40 plus hours a week. They have a whole bunch of mouths to feed, you know, they're taking kids to their sporting events, but then also managing to train for an Ironman, right? Like that is extremely impressive to me, um, especially for those people that are doing it the right way. And I think triathletes in 
in general, kind of across the board, we're all in this for our own like personal journey um, and seeing how good we can be. And I think that the majority of those athletes don't necessarily care so much about where they place. They just want to beat their own previous performances and see how good that they can be for themselves. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. But, you know, I do want to use this as an opportunity to, you know, to to throw out a challenge to our age group community, you know, out of respect for each other, out of respect for appreciating and knowing how hard we all work to to do our part to keep this an honest, clean sport and, you know, to not do the things that would take away from that um, because, you know, we truly are a community that should be there, you know, supporting each other. And, you know, no one understands, honestly, what we go through except for us. So out of respect for each other, let's do that. But moving back to the pro community, Danielle, you know, how do you feel as far as, you know, the steps being taken? Do you feel like, you know, the the job is being done or do you feel like there is still more that could be done and implemented in this area? Uh, there's a lot more that can be done. <laughs> Definitely a lot more that can be done. Uh, and the education is important. Um, I think just kind of keeping that, that pressure on us to say, Hey, you know, you can be tested at any time out of competition is going to help clean up the sport, uh, out of competition testing is not hasn't been super regular maybe there's a handful of pros that will get tested multiple times a year uh but that's you know it's not many people uh i think you know iron man is doing a better job this year of doing out of competition testing so and and that's what's really important um because the testing at the races i mean if someone's using something, they're going to be clean by the time they have to race. Um, that's just what, I mean, you just basically have to look at a calendar, you know, when the substance will be out of your system so that you're not at risk of getting um, a violation um, there on in, in the, at the competition. And so, um, yeah, education, out of competition testing is important. Um, and then just being more vocal about it. And I think that's something that this situation is really causing a lot of pros to be very vocal about it. And hopefully we can hold each other's feet to the fire. If we see something, we say something. So I think moving forward, if there's anything we can, you know, look at this and take away, it's that I truly hope that all of this light being brought to this and coming down on this, that if there was anybody out there that was starting to or has been in that gray area, that this is a huge wake-up call, you know, as to the reality of the impact of this. And when you see the response, when you see the insult, when you see the hurt, that it's just a, a huge wake-up call and keeps, you know, anybody else from going down that path. But Brandon, in closing, is there, you know, anything else you'd like to add as to, you know, how do we move past this? How do we move forward? You know, what are your closing thoughts on this? Um, you know, life's got an interesting way of sorting things out, right? So this this brought a lot to light. Um, and, you know, there, the conversation's growing about it. And, you know, I think it is this idea that, it's something the majority of people don't want, right? You know, they, they don't want this in the sport, you know, they want everything to be fair as possible. And so it's just willing to, to remedy that and, and, and have the tough conversations and, and maybe, you know, make some extra sacrifices like paying extra fees or whatever it is to have more testing. I mean, cause all these things do cost money. So, um, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like you have to live with yourself, right? So it's just like, you want to live in a way that you're going to feel good about and that, you know, is going to be conducive to your growth and your joy and your fulfillment and all those things. And so uh, when you make these bargains, right, when you, when you step out and it, because you're only going to make that decision from already not feeling good enough, right. Of like, that's, that's why you would take it is to, okay, I'm not feeling good enough. And if I do this, this is going to make me feel better. Right. And so it's, it's just like these short-term plays, they, they always have consequences. They always have a cost. 
And, you know, many people aren't equipped to clean that up mentally on their own. Like if, I mean, just the amount of shame and guilt that goes into that process, uh, it's very difficult to recover from. Like I said, these things, um, it, it's good that people are being vocal about it. It's good that it's out in, in the light. And uh, there's always going to be people that are willing to make those choices and sacrifices. Right. And, and once again, they have to live with themselves and, and you gotta go, you gotta believe that life kind of takes care of itself on its own that way. So it is about like faith and trust in your own process. And, and I always teach just not being so fixated on anybody else and what they're doing. Right. And that's why we, we start taking the focus away from specific results uh, because there are just so many variables that are out of our control. Right. And so we can't attach too much of our worth and value to those results. Um, we want to be in our own personal process and our own personal development, doing everything we can to continually improve and get better. And we have to believe that over time, that's going to pay off. Right. And that's, that's really the only way to go about it, to keep your head on straight, uh, feel fulfilled, enjoy it because fulfillment comes from progress. So if I'm working at something and I see myself getting better, um, that's going to, that's going to raise my confidence and my self-worth and things of that nature. So, it's, but if I'm like, if I'm working really hard at something and I'm just giving my focus to other people and what they're doing, if they're further along in the process, that's always going to feel bad to me. Right. And so that's why we always have to bring it back to ourselves. Uh, Cause if I get too focused on needing to beat a specific person or win a specific com uh, competition, uh, there's so many variables that are out of my control that I'm going to be setting myself up for disappointment and letdown uh, pretty much every time. Like it's nothing's ever going to be good enough from that place. So, so we just have to focus on our own development. Yeah. Well said, Danielle, any closing words from you? No, I mean, that that's really well put. Um, you know, I think that I've made a lot of progress in the time that I've worked with Brandon on just, my mental space and um it's allowed me just to kind of free me up to be the athlete that I know I can be um and so I think that that's really important just for um for athletes that if they just kind of feel like maybe just a little bit off need someone to talk to is just to find someone to talk to help yourself kind of refocus and recenter and, and ground yourself on why you're doing what you're doing and, um, you know, just, just be a good human at the end of the day. <laughs> totally. And, and well said, Danielle. And, you know, I just want to say once again, so much respect for you and all of our waterfall racing pros, as I sent you guys all a message, you know, I, we see you out there grinding it out, put it in the time. We know it's a, a hard, lonely road but you guys keep showing up and setting the example. And, you know, I'm glad you have someone like Brandon along the way to help you. And Brandon, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, so on Instagram, I'm at Evolved Athlete. And then also my website is evolvedathlete.co. So .co. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much. Talk later. Thanks, Bye. Joy. Bye. So if you listen for any time, you know that I close out with a mindset minute, but goodness, like what more can you add to that? It, I thought it was such a great conversation. Uh, my biggest takeaway that I posted on an Instagram story was that if your self-worth is dependent on an outcome, you're going to fail, meaning you're going to fail at life, right? So it's so important that, uh, you know, we reframe achieving those outcomes as you know what builds our self-worth and you know take that back to your family take that back to your kids uh take that back to help relieve some of the pressure right I uh I mentioned on my story I, I have a busy couple we starting next week it starts to get really crazy I you know I'm in my last heavy training week really this week and next getting ready for Gulf Coast which is, um, oh, it's all running together, May 13th. And then the following weekend, you guys, I fly to South Florida to do my first ever TEDx, which I'll be sharing more about that. But it's, it's heavily influenced by the lessons learned here in the endurance community. 
And from what I've learned personally, chasing endurance sports, the intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. And this week's conversation only kind of added to that. And I'm like, oh man, how long can this TEDx be? Because I could speak, you know, to all these things we just talked about. Uh, but, but then um, that I have about a week home and then we travel to go to Hawaii to to raise Hanu, taking my three youngest kids, which I mean, they're they're kind of grown, but um, taking them out there for that and hoping to, you know, land my Kona slot there. But, you know, even in the buildup of all this training and these expectations within my mind, the conversation today was so awesome because it reminded me that you know, regardless of the outcomes, that's not going to determine or I shouldn't let it reflect on my self-worth. My job is to put in the preparation to show up for each of these things, give it my absolute best, and then whatever happens, happens. And I need to be proud of the dedication and the time that I put into to having the courage to step up to attempt all these things, right? Uh, and, you know, remove the pressure of, man, I just want to make my kids proud. If I'm taking them out to Hawaii for this big race, I, I want to give them the outcome they're looking for. It's not about all that extrinsic stuff, right? It's about me reaching my goal, doing my best, and that's it, period. So let's roll that all over into our life in every area and um, I'm excited to hear from more of you about your race seasons. I actually um, interviewed uh, some more of our team members, so I'll be bringing them to you as well. But you guys have a great week. Happy training. Stay injury free and uh, check in with us next time. Well, thanks for joining us today on our Waterfall Racing Podcast. Hopefully there were some good takeaways for you. And hopefully it gave you a little bit more insight into who we are. If you would like to find out more or join our community, go to waterfallracing.com. You can find us on Instagram as well. If you have a mailbag question that you would like us to answer, send me a DM at jmcadams5 on Instagram. We'll be answering some of those questions in future episodes. And remember, when it comes to training, Sometimes it's just about showing up. I love the mantra, anything's better than nothing. Not every session is going to go perfect, but show up. Consistency is always king. Happy training.